Hello, and welcome to Finding Frederick, a weekly podcast that explores the history, people, and stories of Frederick, Maryland. I'm your host, Lisa Littlefield, and thanks for joining me in some conversations with friends and history buffs like you and me. Today, I'm diving into the vast resources of the Maryland Room, a treasure trove of historic documents, photos, and much more detailing fascinating elements of Frederick's history, including covered bridges, local women who carried on family traditions, and the evolution of commerce and agriculture in the area. I'll be visiting with Mary Mannix, manager of the Maryland Room, located downtown in the Seaburr Arts Public Library on East Patrick Street. Mary, can you tell me a little bit about how you came to be in the role that you're in today? So I went many, many years ago, I went to Hood College where I majored in history and political science. My intention when I first went to Hood was to become a lawyer. And then I took a law class and that quickly changed my mind. And I really only thought lawyer because I didn't know what else you did of a history degree except teach and I knew I didn't want to teach. Then one day I was hanging out in the Career Center or desperately going through the Career Center thinking what will my future hold and I found out that people got paid to work at Williamsburg. And I grew up going to a lot of historic sites, you know, when I was in middle school. We went to historic sites, those are what we did during vacations. So I then decided I would get my master's in American history. I went to the University of Delaware and got a master's in American history and a certificate in museum studies. And my goal then was to become a historic house curator. After I graduated, I had a short-term job with the state of Delaware doing historic preservation work for about nine months till the money dried up. And so the first full-time job I got was at Maryland Historical in the prints and photographs department, which was part of the library. So I kind of just fell into library work. I stayed there for 13 fabulous months and then took a job in historic preservation and realized that was a bad idea. I'm a very, very good librarian. I'm not a very good architectural historian. From there, I went back into library work. Eventually, I got my master's, my master's in library science at the University of Maryland. And I was working two jobs, one at Johns Hopkins in the School of Public Health and was working part-time as the library director at Howard County Historical Society in Ellicott City, which was a fabulous collection. And then one day I was just going through the newspaper back when Juan ads were in the newspaper and going through the Washington Post. And there was an ad that for this job, they didn't really have a name then, but it was to work the Maryland Room at Frederick County Public Libraries. And it was like they took my resume and wrote the job description. So I applied, I had two interviews, and I got hired. So I've been here for about 23 years now. I think about 23, maybe 24. Tell me, what is, what is it, the Maryland Room? exactly where is it and what is we are the local history genealogy and government documents local government documents center and government documents aren't like the declaration of independence they're not like documents but there are those publications put out by local entities whether they're um, you know Frederick City Brunswick the state of Maryland the county we are the local history genealogy and government documents center for the entire system we collect all aspects of for, for secondary sources so book material we collect all aspects of Maryland history and culture our archival collections are primary things aren't as old like for example at the Historical Society or Heritage Frederick now so it's more 20th century focused really one of our big strengths is just our book collection and again we are the Maryland room so the entire state and the thought being that if you live anywhere like within an hour of this building and you're doing any sort of history genealogy um, even modern history you know because history started you know 10 minutes ago it doesn't have to be 1748 or 1812 that we are your starting point you can come here and hopefully we will have the major works 
major secondary sources, the major books that can guide you. So if you want to do research on the houses of St. Mary's County and you live up in Thurmont, you can come here to start off to see what we have. And then as you make your way to St. Mary's County, you can then spend your very valuable research time looking at primary sources. So the idea is that we are the starting point for anyone in our area researching any aspect of Maryland history and culture. So we put special emphasis on collecting particularly genealogical materials for that area. Um, we complement the collection at the Historical Society. So really, if you're doing local, gene local genealogy or local history, anything relating to this immediate area, you really need to look at both, both collections. We are an excellent starting point for all things Maryland, and also because we are in a public library, though we put special emphasis on collecting genealogy for this area, Western Maryland and Maryland, as a public library, we can help you on your genealogy journey, no matter where your people are from, using our, our general knowledge, our how-to-do-it books, and then also the electronic resources. So even a novice could come here and get started. Oh, yes, we like novices very much, very much. And genealogy and or family historians, depending which terms you want to use, they're our bread and butter. You know, if genealogy wasn't the phenomena it has become into the, starting the mid-20th century into the 21st century, you know, we wouldn't exist. We just can't wait around for doctoral students to come in our door or the occasional Hood student or SEC student. Genealogists who really drive our bus. So, how large are the collections? It seems pretty expansive. Oh uh, well, for archival collections, we have about nearly 200 collections in this facility, mm -hmm. and then also we oversee the Thurmont Center for Agricultural History, where there's probably 30 collections, and those tend to concentrate either very much on very North County history. Mm -hmm or those library institutions, North County, so the archival records for the Emmitsburg branch in the Thurmont Regional. That's where a lot of our agricultural things go. So we have the records of the Frederick County Extension Office, which are very cool. We have a number of Grange collections. We have a number of collections from the homemakers. We have the Farm Bureau up there. We also have a couple of collections relating to Thurmont High School. And then we have a very small collection at the Brunswick branch, uh, where there's what I call kind of the Brunswick history closet. Brunswick, there's probably three or four collections, a really fabulous photo collection and then some newspaper collections and then a handful of books. So we curate those collections but the staff oversee them and service them. Um, and then for books we probably have about 25,000 books and what we consider a book is very broad. If you can put it in a report cover and a cataloger can catalog it, we consider it a book. So in local history and genealogy there's a lot of self-published things. You know, there was a time when I was starting the library world where self-published were kind of looked down on by a lot of libraries but not in local history collections because because people self-publish. You know, they self-publish. And by self-publish, I don't even mean they pay to get it published at a local self-publishing house. You know, they can put it out, they can print it on their computer at home and make three copies and we will catalog it. So we have, you know, books done by Hopkins Press and big publishers because there's more um, popular history when it's published or history that's for the, you know, kind of for the masses. Um, we collect a lot of that if we can, particularly if it relates to um, African-American history. We've been trying to add a lot to that in our collection in the last couple of years. Okay. So really, there's not much that can't be of interest to um, someone doing local history or genealogy. So when I say, you know, 20 to 30,000 books, what we consider a book is very very broad. We also have a really strong vertical file collection, which really is one of our strengths. And what that is, it's a clipping file. Now, there was a time in libraries where clipping files, every library had a clipping file. So I kind of considered the internet to be like one big clipping file. So my former co-worker and my present co-worker, they go through the Frederick News Post. They don't really clip anymore. Now we, you know, they print them out and we put them into folders. That I consider to be like an encyclopedia of Frederick County history, sort of, sort of like the world book for Frederick County. So we'll have general, you know, history folders, the history of third 
Claremont or the history of Baker Park, but then also we have folders on crime. We have folders on organizations. We have folders on cemeteries and churches, and it's all beginning point. But our vertical file really is one of our big strengths, and we're the only vertical file that I know of being maintained right now in the, in the county. And of course, you know, we clip from the Frederick News Post, but we have the Baltimore Sun, the Washington Post. So if there's important articles in any of those publications, we pull them in. And you never know what else you're going to find in a vertical file. So what would you say are some of the most unusual elements of Frederick history that you have in your in your collection? Things, well, I'll talk about things that I'm particularly proud of. Okay. So one collection that we really love is the records of the Frederick County Covered Bridge Preservation Society, which started when the Loy Station Bridge was burnt down in arson. Um, it was a group that was formed in large part by Dean Fitzgerald. He is a national expert in timber, so that he's important in barn development and bridge building. I mean, he is, his, he's from this area, so they stay, they saved Lloyd Station, and then the, a few years later, there was a problem at Roddy Road. They raised money to fix that. It was really, it's, it, it's fabulous for a lot of reasons. First, these fabulous photographs of these covered bridges. You know, there's three remaining covered bridges, you know, real covered bridges in Frederick County. Of course, they've been rebuilt at various times, and years and years and years and years and years ago, in the 19th century, the county was crawling with covered bridges. I mean, covered bridges were so common in, in the world in a way that they aren't now. But they really are kind of, you know, a big tourism thing in Frederick County or the Covered Bridges. So this organization was developed to rebuild Lloyd's, to rebuild Roddy Road. So there's beautiful photographs of these bridges when after they, they were damaged and then also as they were being rebuilt. There was a woman who was their historian who kept these fabulous scrapbooks. Also, it's this preservation organization that was developed for this particular need, won awards in the state and did a credible job working as a nonprofit, also working together with government. But but it's a fabulous collection that we're particularly really, really proud of. And um, also we got a one of the model bridges. They built two model bridges. One of them you can see at the tourism office here at the visitor center. But we have the one that was rebuilt from Roddy Road. So it's a bridge three feet high. It's one of our big stars of our collection. It's three-dimensional. It's just beautiful. But it was built from the pieces parts of the bridges of the bridge that was taken down. That's a collection that I really love. We also have a fabulous collection, again, that came in a while back from a gentleman who did other bridge research and did a lot of photography so that's a big strength of ours so actually bridges are seem to be a big strength of ours what's interesting up in Thurmont are agricultural collections they're very modern to me they really represent the changing nature of agriculture in Frederick County and also the state when Frederick County was founded and the Germanic people were kind of seduced in to Frederick County to get land here and to start really um, establishing and putting a foothold here so that the Calverts could say yes we do have this land this is our land this isn't a leftover part of Pennsylvania but when the Germans, when the Germanics came through, it changed the nature of agriculture in the entire state. The agriculture in southern Maryland and on the eastern shore was much more tobacco-driven. When the Germanics were brought through, the reason that they were um, really in enticed to come and settle here was because they were considered to be really good farmers. What they did do, besides being hardworking, is that their farming was much more diversified. You know, they were establishing family farms. They weren't just growing tobacco. If you're growing a diversified family farm and you're growing rye and apples and wheat. You need a miller. You need a distiller. You need someone to process your materials. Therefore, you need a community. So that was part of what the Germans did is they changed the nature of agriculture in Maryland and they started establishing these communities. And again, it's a generalization, but like on the eastern shore of southern Maryland, there aren't those same sort of little towns that we have here in Frederick County. So our agricultural collections, although they're 20th century, to me really much reflect the role that Frederick County played in agriculture, not just in the state, but nationally. In the early 
19th century, we were the breadbasket for the world during the War of 1812. And it's that agricultural heritage that people, particularly people who are who are new to the community, don't see. Of course, also when you look at that whole history, so it's that it's that whole history. So I'm looking at these 20th century collections and really seeing the development of Frederick County from the perspective of the Germanics coming in, and then also the enslaved people who were also here working. And then as enslaved people were freed, and also there were you know free blacks who came along at the, very early on, then that starts those little communities, little kind of now what we may call lost communities. So I mean, Frederick has so many little communities. You know, I take the homemaker collection from the 1970s, and when I look at that, I can see this whole agricultural history of Frederick County. A lot of those that we've gotten are because they're, those particular clubs are closing down because there are less people doing agriculture, but more importantly, even those who are still doing agriculture, the, the generations are changing. You know, people aren't, you know, joining the way they used to join things, you know. That joining, that joining kind of worldview is not as prominent as it used to be. You mentioned the, the Homemaker Collection. I'm curious about that. What is in that collection? So what we have in the Homemaker Collections, and we have them for several of the clubs, what they do is they document their activities throughout the year. And most of those collections, the Grange, the Farm Bill, the Homemakers, they are these, some of them are just very obviously scrapbooks or these other kind of mixed media collections. And some of the more recent ones are, are beautifully done because it's that whole scrapbook world that has started in the last 20 years. Years or so. So there'll be clippings that will talk about the activities that they do. So all these organizations, they do a lot of education for themselves. You know, that was kind of the impetus of their formation in the late 19th century was the idea of scientific farming and scientific homemaking. You know, back when, um, you know, there weren't things like, you know, good housekeeping that talked regularly about, you know, eating enough vegetables and vitamins and things like that. You know, those were things that were really new thoughts. And again, it was, it was science. It was taking science and applying it to day-to-day life. But also they do a lot of good works. They do a lot of community community work. So what was the, you know, the bake sale they had, or, you know, were they writing to a politician about a particular school? You know, what, what were they doing within the community itself? So it's just, it's a little snippet into the life of this, these particular groups of people working their agricultural heritage, working them on their day-to-day life, making sure that their farm is sustainable. They were very outwardly focused in regards to what can we do to the community for our families, for our children, for the future, and also to encourage the you know continuation of agriculture in the community. The Extension Service Collection, which is a little different, is it's these annual reports done by the county extension agent. And those collections, they're beautiful because it's all of these photographs of people in their fields um, and at the fair and little kids with their cows. And then you have these little maps that are made that show you know where, where wheat was green grown and where the cows were. But you look at that, and again, it's a snapshot of the agriculture agricultural history of Frederick County. Another collection that I really, really love is that we got the clipping morgue from the Frederick News Post, which was their vertical file. You know, back in the in the olden days, when reporters do history or do quick historic research for most of their articles, they only look back three to five years. So they would go through these clippings because they, there wasn't the internet or things weren't digitized. And that was a big deal to get that collection. But between our vertical file, the clipping file, our microfilm, and then also we do have an electronic product, we can find most articles that people are looking for for those time periods. And then along with that is we've gotten some of the negatives from some of the reporters from the News Post. And we just got Kurt Holter's things in, which we were very excited about. Um, so we're very newspaper oriented as well, which newspapers, you know, they're really important for, for researching the local community and the local families. Do you have newspapers that go back as far as the Civil War? 
Oh yeah, on microfilm we definitely do. Mm -hmm. We have newspapers that go back to you know the 1800s and not probably the 1700s. We've got the Gazette, which would have been the Annapolis newspaper into the 18th century. That was the newspaper in the state. So we have that on microfilm. Uh, you know, microfilm is how we service a lot of our newspapers. Even those that we have still have the hard copies, we service them through microfilm, which is the best preservation media. And then some of that microfilm has been digitized, and that is accessible online. But you know, sometimes you got to look at stuff online. Sometimes you need microfilm. Sometimes you need to go through the vertical file. I mean, that's a big part of historic research. No matter how old you are or what you're doing, you know, you can't rely just on one document type or one access point to the document type. So, you know, we still have microfilm, although although it's been digitized. Do you have any collections that are specific to some of the leading citizens of Frederick? We do have things relating to Thomas Johnson and to George Washington and also to Lafayette. We have a collection that's the Ross Manuscript Collection that came to the library years ago, which consists of a hodgepodge of different 18th century documents that came down through the Johnson family. There's unique things in there. So when Lafayette came back to do his victory tour years later, we have his little letter saying, yeah, I'll be happy to stop by Frederick. So we have a conglomeration of different materials like that, but there's some very cool things in there. And those have all been digitized for us by Digital Maryland, which comes out of the Pratt Library and the State Library Resource Center. So if you just Google Digital Maryland or go to the Pratt Library, collection, you can see those various documents. And again, there's something from George Washington, there's Lafayette, there's like some of the big names of the 18th century. But nothing about Francis Scott Key, though again, we've got lots of books about him and clippings and things relating to that. How can people utilize the resources of the Maryland? It's very easy to utilize the resources. The most obvious way is simply to show up when we are open. And we are open Tuesday through Saturday. Tuesday through Thursday, we are 10 to 7. Friday, we're 10 to 5. Saturday, we're noon to five. We're completely closed on Sundays. Mondays, we're here doing back of housework. Most of our patrons are from the immediate area where we get people who travel all over the country to come to us, you know, as does the Historical Society. Both of our organizations are destination libraries, which mean people come here just to use us. So they come here to Frederick just to do research, either in the Maryland Room or the Historical Society. Both, hopefully they go to both places. And then also, if you are from far away and can't come here, you can always email us and we have a research volunteer who does most of our research queries, who is fabulous and is particularly good at um, land research, you can also call us. If you call us, we will ask you to email us so I can make sure I have all the details correct. But we're very easy to get to because, again, as a public library, that's one of our strengths and part of who we are, so we can't keep anybody up. Yeah, that's great. Not that we want to. Thank you so much, Mary. I really appreciate your spending time with us today. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, being on Finding Frederick and telling us all about the Maryland. No, thank you for asking. My many thanks to my guest, Mary Mannix. For more information about the Maryland Room and the Frederick County Public Library System, visit www.fcpl.org content slash Maryland room. That's all for today's episode. Thanks to you for coming along with me to Finding Frederick. I'm Lisa Littlefield. See you next week.